All right, so now we get back to the God and Man series that we've been working through for the last few weeks. And we get to the most important episode in the entire timeline. So everything has been building up to episode four, Zero Hour. I feel like there should be like dramatic music behind me when I say that, but never mind. So this is the story of Jesus. After all of the promises, everything that has been leading up to this, Jesus finally turns up on the scene. But before we get into the significance of that, I wanted to take a little time to do a bit of research with you. Because I've been thinking about, well, I've been thinking about food. To be honest with you, it's Easter, we eat a lot of chocolate, this is kind of the time of year. And so I wanted to get your opinion on what the official food of Easter should be. Not what you think it is, but perhaps what you think it should be. All right, so we're going to throw up a few options on the screen, and then you can type in your answer in the chat screen below, okay? So is it A, hot cross buns, B, marshmallow eggs, that's the right answer, C, cream eggs, D, the large hollow chocolate eggs, or E, chocolate bunnies? All right, cast your votes now. So, very interesting responses there. I appreciate your input. So, the official food of Easter is actually none of those. See, I think, and I know this is a little mean to just throw a curveball here at you, but I really think the official food of Easter should be this. Bread and wine. You see, Easter is at its heart the story of communion, or more Accurately, communion, which we celebrate every week, is the story of Easter. It's the story of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And we celebrate that every week, but Easter is the culmination of that. It is the true meal. This is where it all began. In fact, the story of communion begins with a meal. The Last Supper. Many of you would have heard of that. But this is the last meal that Jesus had with all of his disciples, all of his friends, before he died on the cross. And so right before this happened, the very evening that he was arrested, he gathered all of his friends together and he got them around the table and he had a meal with them. And I really love the moment that is celebrated at this point. This is a huge moment for Jesus. He is about to move into a, a major time of pain and death. It's like the calm before the storm erupts upon him. And he takes a moment to really dwell on this. And it's really cool because in the Bible, in the book of John, chapter 13, it starts telling the story of this meal. And actually, there's a lot going on. But right at the beginning, um, John just captures the gravitas, the, the real moment that is happening here. And in verse 1, I want to read this to you. He says, Before the Passover celebration, which was this big holiday feast that they were celebrating, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and to go back to the Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It's a very cool moment where Jesus is realizing how big a moment this is. I mean, this is the moment. This is everything that has happened, has been building up to this moment. This was zero hour. And not just of his ministry, but of the entire history of humankind. And as Jesus is gathered with his friends there and he's dwelling on this moment, I, I, I imagine that he's 
thinking back over everything that has happened before, over the last 4,000 years of human history. Because remember, he was there when the world was created. He was creating with God. He saw humanity being formed out of dust and God breathing his life into them. He heard the first inhale of breath of this human creature. It was his heart that was broken when his people rejected him in the Garden of Eden. He was there watching over the waters, watching this little ark floating over the waters of the flood. He was there when God gave the history-altering promise to Abraham, this promise of blessing coming through his family. He knew at that moment that he was the blessing that he was being talked about there, that this was telling about what Jesus was going to do. He was there when Moses was born. He watched this baby being born and being raised up to be the hero of God's people. And he knew that this was just a precursor to his own birth, to his own life on earth. He was celebrating with the Israelites as they were rescued from slavery and were led out of Egypt. And he looked forward with anticipation to that moment where he would lead his precious people, all of humanity, out of their slavery to sin. And he would lead them into freedom. He was looking forward to that moment. He was there for all of the ups and the downs of the nation of Israel. He felt all of the emotions that were going through that time. He felt their joy, their excitement. He felt the anger and the frustration at their constant stubbornness and rebellion. He felt their hopes and he felt their fears. He remembered his triumphant entry into this world as a baby himself. Born into humble circumstances, but accompanied by a choir of angels. And then he remembered waiting for 30 years until his time came. He looked back over his ministry with his disciples and the highs of all of the miracles and the healings and the teaching and the, the lows of all of the, the opposition and the people rejecting him again. He thought about the bonds that he had built with these 12 men that were sitting around the table with him and, and the, the woman and other people who were, were with them throughout that time. And he thought about the soul-crushing betrayal of his friend Judas who sat right there next to him at the table. All of this he was thinking about, the 4,000 years of history, of events and back and forth and up and down, and everything that had happened that was leading to this moment. This moment right here, it was all building to the moment that he was about to enter into. It was zero hour. But as he sat at the table and, and he had this bread before him and he had this cup, the weight of this moment must have given pause because this bread was his body. I mean, this was his body and it was, it was going to be broken. It was going to be crushed. It was going to be killed. This cup, this, this was his blood. This was going to be spilled. His life was going to flow out of him. This was a big deal. And it must have been a painful moment as he wrestled with his internal fears and emotions and his desire to not have to go through with this. 
And that's what I really love about John 13, 1. Where he talks about, he says he loved his disciples through his earthly ministry. And not just his disciples, but he loved 4,000 years of human history. And then however many years to come, he loved all of us. But then listen to this. And now he loved them to the very end. He loved them to the very end. So we celebrate communion every week because we have a God who came to this earth, who loved us enough not just to enter into this world, but to go through with the sacrifice that was needed. He loved us to the very end. He never gave up on us. And that's the beauty of the simple little meal that we take. And so we're going to take some time now to remember what Jesus did for us. We're going to take some time to think about the sacrifice and how hard it was for him, that how he followed through. So we're going to take a little bit of bread that represents his body. We're going to take a little bit of juice or wine or whatever you have that represents his blood. And we're going to take some time to praise God for never giving up on us and for following through. When zero hour came, he stepped up. So take some time to do that now. But Easter is not just a story about death, is it? It's also a story about a resurrection, a raising of a life from death. And that's the amazing power of Easter because it's not just that Jesus had to die. I mean, he had to die to pay penalty for all of the things that we did wrong. But he didn't stay dead. He was buried, but then he came back to life again. He beat death. He won. He was a victor. He defeated death. I've got visions of Bill and Ted's bogus journey going through my mind right now. He did it. He defeated death. And because of that, we can too. And that is the power. That is the hope of the story of Easter. And it is the hope of the entire story of God and man. Because you remember back in the beginning when we first rebelled against God, the consequences of sin, what were they? They were, life is going to be hard. They were, we are separated from God. And they were, we had death. And in one foul swoop, as Jesus walks out of that grave, he has defeated death and he has restored us back into connection with God. He's taken care of two of those major issues. And so because of Easter, we have hope. We have life. We have connection to who God is. But that's not all. There is that third issue too, isn't there? That third consequence of sin. That life is hard. And you know what? We obviously know that life is hard. I mean, we're going through that right now. The difficulty of of a broken world. But Jesus fixed that as well. You see, when he was on earth, he ushered in this new kingdom. He called it the kingdom of God. And it's kind of like this, this new world order where Jesus is king And no hardship happens. There is no more hardness of life. All of that stuff, the difficulty of work, difficulty of childbirth, all of that sort of stuff is gone. There is just peace. There is life. And there is eternal life forever. And it's already begun. As soon as Jesus turned up, it began. As soon as he died on the cross and and came back to life, he, he brought this kingdom into reality. And we can see it breaking through through the works of the church. And we're going to talk about that in the next couple of weeks. 
It's not fully here yet. We still have difficulties in life, but we know that this kingdom is coming. It is coming. When Jesus comes back, he's going to bring the fullness of this new kingdom into reality. And there will no longer be any hardship. And all three of those consequences of sin will be gone. We won't have difficulty in life. We will be completely connected to God. And there will be no more death. Everything will be fixed. And so we remember, especially as we have communion, especially as we celebrate this Easter holiday, we have hope. Even in the midst of of a virus, even in the midst of a world catastrophe, we have hope. Hope for a new world order. Hope for complete restoration with God. And as we suffer through the the meantime, we need to hold on to the hope that it is coming. The clock is ticking. Zero hour is coming. Let me pray. Lord, we're thankful to you, especially on Easter. And look, Easter is different at the moment. We're we're experiencing it in a whole new way. But maybe, Lord, this different way can can sort of peel apart some of the layers that we've put onto Easter and we can get back to the heart of what's going on. It is communion. It is that moment where we celebrate your death and your life and what that brings to us. Thank you for restoring us to you. Thank you for giving us hope. And thank you for that hope that sustains us through the difficult times because we know we have so much ahead of us. It's in your amazing, powerful, glorious name that we pray. Amen.